Welcome to the Eating Crow edition of the Redbird Report. Tom Prizman, Mike Mara, and Nate Head all coming to you from the Vedette offices on a rainy Sunday. And Mike, you and I are going to have to do a lot of eating humble pie in this edition of the Redbird Report. As the Illinois State Redbirds pulled the upset yesterday in homecoming Saturday, a perfect sun splash day for football, 37-21. They pull away late over South Dakota, the number four team in the country, the previously unbeaten Coyotes. And let's start with the man who covered the game. We'll get to Mike, who I'm sure has a lot to say about how wrong he was, <laughs> as was myself, about this Redbird team. But Nate, you were there covering the game for the Vedette yesterday. Tell us what you saw. Uh, what I saw was it was definitely an inspired performance by the you know the Redbirds. Uh, I was you know looking at the offensive side of the ball. I was really impressed by the way that the you know ISU moved the ball on the ground. This is something that they you know kind of got away from these last couple weeks uh, in these losses. And you know James Robinson huge game, 191 yards. Uh, Markel Smith added you know 92 of his own. And, you know, these running back core, they are now more so of a duo, but, you know, this was kind of the storyline throughout the first month of the season. So it was really encouraging to see those guys kind of get back on track and, you know, kind of help out this offense. Nate, I'll be honest. I think me and Mike both yesterday, we were otherwise occupied during the game, but I went back this morning and watched the complete game. I know Mike did as well. Um, one thing I picked up on was, as you mentioned, the running game was so important, and it really helped out Jake Colby. Jake Colby had obviously really been struggling, and you got to give a lot of credit to the redshirt junior, stepped up, and 12-19, not that many pass attempts, but it was really crucial on third down, but it all started with the running game, and it started with the huge performance by James Robinson. I think me and Mike both last week really criticized the play calling uh, of these co-offensive coordinators, uh, and we got to give a lot of credit to them. They did a really good job setting up the run, and I think as well, Setting up Jake Colby in manageable situations, slants over the middle, rollouts to the right, making manageable, easy throws. He really didn't have to air it out down the field very often. It was a lot of underneath pass covered pass plays that got the job done in the running game, set up everything. And probably the best performance we've seen from James Robinson, one that we knew he was capable of, and the 87-yard run to finish it off was probably just the cherry on top of what was a perfect day for ISU. Yeah, you know, like you said, Really uh, solid play calling, you know, from those offensive coordinators. Uh, they definitely played, you know, to Colby's strengths. You could tell that they, you know, in, in these past couple weeks, they, they were taking their shots with Colby down the field, and it just kind of wasn't coming to fruition. So uh, in this game, you could you could tell they had a game plan, slants over the middle. That turned out to be a big play to Spencer Schnell in that opening drive, which really got the Redbirds kind of going. You know, big touchdown, you know, 64 yards on, on opening drive over the middle and then you know they they force a you know stop and then get the ball back and, and score again to Schnell so jumping onto a 14-0 lead uh that's huge and yeah but they, they did jump onto that 14 nothing lead but credit to South Dakota they battled back made it 14-14 important field goal before the half and we'll talk more about the intricacies of the game I want to take a more of a broad view picture before we get into the nuts and bolts, and I want to bring in Vedette Sports Editor Mike Mara. Mike, open up, because here comes the humble pie. You, you, on Monday, wrote the column. On Sunday, you sat alongside me here. As we called it the panic button edition of the Redbird Report, and we were wrong. I think I think there's no way to say it. I think at the time, our analysis made sense, but obviously what the Redbirds did proved us wrong. Then There was a lot of people. We talked to people, both of us, in the Kauffman football building who were really optimistic about this Redbird football team, said they could pull the upset. 
And I'm not sure either of us truly believed that uh, until we saw it yesterday. And I know you went back and watched the game this morning as well. Uh, so you didn't have a chance to see it live. But what did you see when you went back and watched the tape this morning? Well, first off, as soon as that game went final, I sent out a tweet. And I, if I remember what I said you know, perfectly, I think I said, well, I was wrong, plain and simple. Like, it, it was a big win for ISU. I mean, straight, I mean, there's no way around it. I was wrong. And we're eating the humble pie now. Uh, but you know what? That we should know that everyone in this room was wrong. I know Nate's trying to absolve himself <laughs> a little bit. He, he did predict that the Redbirds would lose as well. And I think, overwhelmingly, there was a few ISU predictions in the, in the bird on, on Thursday in the, in the latest edition of the paper. But overwhelmingly, ISU was picked to lose by all the Vedette sports reporters. Would yeah, you agree with that? There I say I was uh, definitely more optimistic in my stance. Um, so while you guys are eating the humble pie uh, at the buffet line, I'm having just a, you know, a quick little sample bite of it. <laughs> you still uh, predicted them to lose, though. You did, <laughs> Mr. Yeah, ISU football. Little, I'm having a little bite. I'm just having a little little courtesy bite. Uh, okay. guys are at the buffet now line. back to the Mr. Buffet over here. We're eating the humble pie, Mike Morrow. Um, yeah, you know what? I looked at, I was watching the game first off first off i think you should say you and i were together yesterday and we were tailgating outside and we heard pretty quickly it was 14 nothing 90 seconds in 90 seconds first off seven nothing 90 seconds and then eventually i mean it felt like probably 90 seconds to us because you know you lose track of time outside the when you're tailgating outside and all of a sudden it seemed like the game had just started it seemed like it was 205 to us and all of a sudden it was 14 nothing and i know you and i both looked at each other like oh and we were like what and that, that we never would have saw that coming, especially. Um, I think I I predicted in the paper that I thought they'd come out well, and I think that a lot of people would have would have maybe projected a good start, but nothing like that, especially against a South Dakota team that had been dominant in first quarters. I think they'd outscored opponents eighty seven thirteen in the first quarter. Yeah, and, and that's just it. Is they came out roaring, ready to go. Like Nate said, they came out and they looked inspired. Uh, you know, Jay Colby looked good. You know, he looked like a he, – granted, like Nate said, they played into his hands. You know, they didn't take shots downfield. They took a couple shots downfield that you see, but nothing too strenuous. A lot of it was those little dips and dunks. Well, I mean, if we're going to criticize some element of this game, and, you know, this is a podcast that has been known for talking about Jay Colby a lot, Jay Colby played a little bit like a game manager, you'd almost say. 12-19, uh, almost all of his passes went to, to Spencer Schnell. Seven of the uh, targets went to Spencer Schnell, who caught 191 of – the 220 or so yards yeah. he had. Uh, Robert Gilm had a catch. Uh, Antonio Hatton Jr. had a catch. A couple other guys had one or two catches. But by and large, it was all to Spencer Schnell. So for Jake Colby, he was getting it done really just to one guy. But it doesn't matter as long as you get the win. Credit, credit to him. He, and I think the big thing for Colby was, you look especially, I think it was the second drive of the game, the second touchdown drive, he had a rollout to the right, a pass to a wide open Spencer Schnell overshot him by probably six feet over the t- over the top of his head. Next play comes back, third and goal. Uh, we both know everyone knows the Redbirds have been terrible in the red zone as of late. They've been terrible on third down, and Colby fires a strike right in between the numbers of Spencer Schnell. And that was a play where he said, "All right, Jake Colby's here to play, and this Redbird team is here to play." Gave him a thirteen nothing lead. Slatter makes the extra point and. It went on from there. Obviously, South Dakota made the game later, but that start was so important. And then the other thing that you look at about this game is the run game really hadn't been very successful the last few weeks either. At Northern Arizona, at Southern Illinois, the run game didn't work. The offense, they fell behind, and they kind of moved away from it. Right. Yeah, they ran the ball very, very well, 331 yards. You know, and that, was, that really opens the game up for Colby, who had been struggling but had a very nice game. 
all around a very good game plan. They executed very well. And Credit the coaching staff. I think a, a lot of pressure was put, especially on those offensive coordinators, and I think they came up with a great game plan. Obviously, some of it was they were benefited a great play. I don't think they could have drawn up a slant pattern turning into a huge touchdown for Spencer Schnell on the first drive of the game, but they, they made the game manageable for Jake Colby. Um, and I think they also did. we get, we got to give him credit. Malachi Brodnick did have an important drive. He did fumble on the drive, which I'm sure we'll get to as well. But we saw Brodham as a change of pace. I think they did a lot of things that we asked for and fans were asking for as well. Made the game manage- more manageable for Colby. Brought in Brodnick's for a drive in what was a valuable in close game. And at the same time, really incorporated those two running backs. And I still think there's room for to get Artis Henderson a couple more carries a game. He really was not involved much yesterday, but... The way those two guys were running, maybe they didn't need them, but the, the running backs really were huge for Illinois State, uh, and that was a huge, huge game. What else do you see, Mike, from your perspective? You put South Dakota on their heels right away. I mean, that's just it. Is you get the ball first and you score right away, and it just kind of had that upset feel, like you said. You hear the roars from the crowd in the parking lot, and we kind of look, we look at the score, and it quickly turned, you know, from seven nothing to fourteen nothing, and it's like, okay, this this is upset alert right now. Like, I mean, from the get go, South Dakota was on their heels, and it never looked, even when it, and, and Nate and I were talking about it, it's still like when I was watching the game yesterday, I caught the fourth quarter. When I was watching the game, it didn't seem like South. It was it was twenty four twenty one, and it didn't seem like South Dakota was in the game. You didn't feel like it was a field goal game. It seemed like it was a lot more. So, here's I, what I would say. I would say, Illinois State came out and played like a team with a season on the line, and I, I think it was a team that did have their season on the line. I think Spack and company made it clear: if we don't win this game, our season is he- treading in the wrong direction. It's going to be very difficult with the path that they have left to reverse it and to accomplish their goal of making the NCAA tournament. Once you get there, anything can happen. South Dakota played like a team that I don't, I, you know, I went back and I read a lot of the, the articles from the South Dakota side because I was curious what they thought of I the did game. The, I did the same thing. Um, and, and they didn't They didn't say that, the, I, I thought they maybe came in and took ISU lightly. They didn't say that, obviously. I, I would be curious what they would think back in Vermillion now as they talk about it. Maybe they went in there and expected just to roll over ISU. Because um, they came out, I would say, a little flat in that first quarter, obviously. They responded pretty well. But the thing that we really have to talk about are the penalties on South Dakota. I think this is a very different game if a few calls do not go the, in favor of ISU. Now, that takes nothing away from their effort and their performance in this one. I think back to the um, pass interference, the offensive pass interference that negated a touchdown. They would not even score on that drive. They missed a 40-yard field goal. And even they got down to the 7 on that drive when it was 26-21, uh, and then they had the or twenty seven twenty one, and they had the they had a, a, a holding penalty I believe or a false starter a penalty that knocked them back a few yards and really that's a team that relies so much on rhythm and relies so much on just getting up to the line and we saw when their offense is moving get up to the line snap the ball wait 10, 15 seconds get the next play ready get it going and when you get those penalties it knocks off their rhythm and they never really found their rhythm yesterday Strebler had a pretty solid game. But they couldn't get anything going on those ground, and the penalties really, really hurt them, Nate. Yeah, definitely. There was, you know, some calls that probably could have went either way. I also, you know, remember that offensive pass interference call. You know, we looked at it on the board a little bit. It's tough, you know. In those kinds of plays, when it's, you know, man coverage at the goal line, you know, there's there's hands going from both sides. So, I don't know. Um, you know, it's a tough call. Uh I could say I probably agree with it. It's just, you know, it's just unfortunate, um, you know, obviously for the South Dakota team. Um, yeah, I look at a lot of things when I think of this game. Uh, one thing that comes to mind, and, you know, 
maybe you know isn't at the forefront of many discussions of the game but you know the ISU defense definitely you know they deserve some credit although they, they gave over you know 500 yards uh, this is something Brock's back said after the game he's like you know I can't believe that the numbers show that we gave up 500 yards because you know he was also impressed with the efforts it just seemed as watching the game that the defense always had pressure on Strebler. It just seemed like there's always somebody in the backfield making him run around. He was breaking tackles, and they just seemed like that they were, you know, and and they made a big play on fourth down in the fourth quarter to turn the ball over, and then two plays later, uh, you know, James Robinson takes the 80s. That, I mean, that, that was the game changer. They had uh-huh. first and goal inside, inside the 10, and then they get the penalty that knocks them back to the 12, and then they have a couple passes that fall complete. And then on, on fourth down, Conley knocks away the pass, and, and that basically sealed the game. And then you have the, the Robinson run that really was the icing on the cake at that point. Um, and it was incredible. But I think, Mike, from the South Dakota side, as much as we want to give credit to ISU, I do think that they kind of talked about how it was a couple plays and a couple penalties that cost them this game that otherwise, despite the scoreline, ISU you know, won by more than one touchdown, won by double digits, this was a game that for a while, even though South Dakota never felt like they were in, the scoreline said that they were very much a touchdown, a play away at all times from being right back in this game and having the lead. And the thing is, is we talked about how good this defense was. They, Their defense didn't show up, and w- one thing I thought might have happened... South Dakota's defense. South Dakota's, Dakota's correct, mm-hmm. correct, correct, correct. Um, the one thing that I kind of thought might happen towards the end was the defense maybe wakes up and maybe forces a turnover and goes for six, maybe helps the offense out a little bit. Just They were one play away, like you said, and the penalties are just drive killers. I mean, you talk about that drive right before James Robinson goes scores and puts the game away. I think if, if South Dakota puts one in there and you put the pressure back on ISU for pretty much the first, I, what would have felt like the first time all game long, probably outside of maybe that first or second series when it was when it was close. I don't. Who knows if we're sitting here talking about a win? And again, we're not discrediting anybody. We're just playing the what if game. And so you, you wonder. I mean, one or two plays changes the whole complexity of that game in that last, you know, five four minutes. But, I mean, ultimately what it comes down to is winning teams make winning plays. And South Dakota yesterday did not make those plays. And that's why ISU won. I think what's the thing that's really interesting, you know, obviously a lot of us grow up as as college football fans at the FBS level. You think of the Notre Dame. I know, Mike, you're a huge Notre Dame fan. They win yesterday 49-14 over USC, but let's get back. And you think about <laughs> the FBS level. One thing that stands out to me, I think back to that Clemson game. It was last Friday. We were All of us were together watching that game. And you saw Clemson's season go down the drain, basically, because they lost to Syracuse. They're, they're still going to be a, a top 10 team in the country. They're probably only going to go into the postseason with one loss. But at the FBS level, that one loss pretty much knocks them out of the playoff picture, or at least makes it much more difficult for them to get in the playoff picture. At the FCS level, a loss yesterday for South Dakota doesn't, doesn't really... I mean, it does not great for them, but it doesn't really affect them in any, you know, it affects their seeding in some ways, for sure. But other than outside of that, they're still going to make the tournament. That still will be a team that is going to be a, a, a perennial contender for the national championship this year. The one thing it does, though, is it takes you out of the Valley contention, but that's obviously also pending what happens when South Dakota and North Dakota yes. State meet in Vermilion, which then they could, you know, grab a share, but... Regardless, really, if hypothetically they could still be North Dakota State and then own the tiebreaker because they beat them head to head. Right. If you're South Dakota, so that's interesting. I think that stood out to me is that I think if that game was played at the FBS level, where a South Dakota loss means that their season goals are completely changed, where they might not make the playoff, 
uh, we might have seen a different game. There was not that much uh, sense of desperation from no. South Dakota in that game. It felt like they were always sort of sleepwalking through it, sort of mm-hmm. if they expected, well, we have the best player in the field, and they probably did in Chris Trevler. Um, but, you know, they just kind of thought, we have the best player, he's going to get us the win, and we don't really have to worry. And ISU played the entire game with a sense of, this is our season. This is our season right now. If we don't win this game, our season is down the tubes. And they won. Now they're 5-2. and two. They're 3-1 and one in the Valley. And all of a sudden, everything has changed for this team. Yeah, and the thing is, you mentioned it. There was no sense of urgency out of the sideline of, of South Dakota. No. Now, there was, I never felt it. There was no. And I don't know, Nate. Let me, let me ask Nate, since you were there. I mean, obviously it's a little different for us watching mm-hmm. the fourth quarter last night, and then, and then I watched the whole game today. On TV, what was did you did you get a sense that the South Dakota was pressing or had, was trying to you know fire themselves up down the stretch there? Because from what I saw on television, and granted, you lose some through the television monitor, it never felt like that to me. Uh, no, you know, I, I definitely didn't sense any you know sense of urgency from South Dakota, and you know, Mike alluded to it. We were just talking to, you know about it a, a couple hours ago here in the office. You know, even when this game was tied up. Uh, you know, 14-14 or early in the third quarter when it's just like a 24-21 game, you know, I just never had the feeling that, you know, South Dakota was really in this game. Uh, the score indicated that, but just, you know, just from the eye test, I just didn't see it. And the emotional standpoint as well. you got to give a lot of credit to the Redbird fans as well. They mm-hmm. really carried that team and really gave them some energy. And the players said that during their postgame comments as well. I mean, I started writing this gamer. I mean, that that's the thing. I, I, I started writing the gamer with ISU winning the game. I know, poor poor journalism, but I wrote this thing early just because I, I just didn't see South Dakota coming back. I mean, I wrote it when it was a three-point game early, early in the fourth quarter. I started writing my lead and stuff. That just gives me an idea of, you know, how there just was no – you know, desperation or urgency from the South Dakota, you know, standpoint. Let's take now a, a sort of a 10,000 uh, feet look at this season. Mike, we asked a week ago, could this ISU team go winless the rest of the season? I think both of us thought it was a distinct possibility. Now, obviously, that <laughs> they didn't do that. They've at least won one of these final five. They have four left, all four against ranked opponents. But I think there's two winnable games on that slate. I, I don't. Next week's going to be a challenge. Uh, we'll talk more about. I'm sure the Youngstown State game on Wednesday's edition of the podcast. Mm-hmm. But when you look at just the 10,000 feet view, they've been great at home. They have two more home games. Obviously, North Dakota State's going to be a challenge, no matter you know whether it's at home there. It doesn't matter where you play them. You can play them on the moon. It doesn't matter. They're going to be a tough team to play. Uh, but getting Western Illinois is Western Illinois now at home feels like a much more winnable game as we've seen this team. Remain undefeated at home, and you look at South Dakota State. I looked at you know, the same. That is not. That's not your prototypical South Dakota no, State I, team. No, I know they're ranked. I think thirteenth in the country right now. It's but I was, dis- that's deceiving. I went. I went through today uh, while I was watching the game, and I was just looking at the upcoming ISU schedule. I was going through list of kind of common opponents, and South Dakota State's played a fairly easy schedule. Much like ISU, they have the back back half loaded. And I think we're going to find out a lot about that South Dakota State team in the coming weeks. But right now, I think that's a winnable game for ISU when they go up uh, to Brookings, South Dakota. They got a shot of, to take that one. So there's at least two games left on this slate that I think I would call winnable. And I would say ISU, if they're not favorites, would certainly be you know somewhere between a three-point favorite and a three-point underdog. Yeah, and the thing about that South Dakota State game, I think we agreed upon this last week when we were on the panic edition, uh, that Western Illinois is probably 
the most winnable game that was left on the schedule. That is still the most winnable game, but it's not the only winnable game, which is what we alluded to last week was that Western Illinois was probably, if not the only chance, if it wasn't, if they weren't going to win it, then they weren't going to win any other game. But other than that, that was their other winnable game. Now you're looking at that trip to South Dakota State, and the thing is, it, it it's going to be tough because ISU has never played well at South Dakota State. But it's a different South Dakota State team. This isn't, and that might that that's a game where both teams might be fighting for a playoff spot, especially yeah. what happens here uh, when they go to Youngstown, Ohio. When Illinois State goes to Youngstown, Ohio, a week from a week from now, I mean that trip to South Dakota State could mean a lot because I, I think this is. Youngstown State, I mean, look at what they did. I mean, they they took North Dakota State to overtime, 27-24 yeah. last week. But the South Dakota team did beat Youngstown State already this year. So if you're doing the transitive property, <laughs> ISU certainly has a chance. Nate, I'm curious what you think. I think if ISU goes 2-2 two and two down the stretch, that's good enough for a playoff berth. 1-3 puts them in the conversation. It'll be interesting to see, especially... Depends who that wins against. If it's against Youngstown or, or North Dakota State, that's probably enough to get them in. Otherwise, they'll certainly be sweating out Selection Sunday. Uh, I'm just curious what you think of this upcoming ISU schedule now that we've seen what was a tremendous performance in the Redbirds yesterday and an unexpected one. Obviously, a lot of belief in that locker room, and it came through in the field. Yeah, definitely. You know, with six wins at the end of the season, will you know definitely, as you say, have them sweating at Selection Sunday. I think they would get in, though, um, but... Definitely going two and two, and you know raising that to seven. It's just the difference between six and seven. I mean, it's only one game, but it's just you know so significant that seven is a lock as far as I'm concerned in this conference. Uh, six, still I think you're in. But you know, alluding to you know what you guys were talking about, the big game that they need to win is this Western Illinois game on Family Weekend. <coughs> They seem to play well at home, Illinois State does, and you know they just proved that yesterday. It's going to be family weekend, similar to how this was homecoming. It's going to be a big crowd. It's going to be a loud crowd. So that's a game that they can win. Western just, you know, they were really, speaking of South Dakota State, they were really kind of stifled uh, against South Dakota State. I think they only put up 12 points and, and lost 27. North State. Oh, is it North Dakota State? Yes. So that's a team that... I really think that they should beat is Western Illinois. I know they're ranked high or, you know, whatever, but that's the game they win, and they're just going to need to take one of those other ones. Maybe this Youngstown game next week. I know it's in Ohio. That'll be tough, but Youngstown's coming off a loss as well. So, you know, you sh- you would think that Illinois State will have the momentum going into this week and, you know, look to at least grab two of these games. And certainly, Mike, we're talking about as if they go 2-2. Two and two. I think in this locker room right now, they are playing with the confidence. They are saying... We, they 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 wanted they I think they want to take all four now obviously that's that's a tall task but that that's a locker room right now that is that is believing in themselves they just took down the number four team in the country and I certainly they think that they can go on the road this week and beat Youngstown State and I think there's a possibility you know a week ago obviously I would have said there's no way in the world but this ISU team has made believers in a lot of us in the last 24 hours. Uh, and now it's up to them to continue the trend in the next week against Youngstown State. Even if it's on a win, just a good performance would certainly go a long way to continue to build the confidence and help out their tournament resume. As you said, they made a bun- They made believers on Saturday, yesterday. Uh, I'm not. I, I have to think I'm one of them, just because this South Dakota. I mean, we mentioned it. We talked about it all week. All week, South Dakota was a is a very good football team. That loss doesn't make them any less of a football team. It's just, I. It's still just so mind-boggling how you go to, 
And I know I don't, you're not trying to bring up losses in the past, but you go to... How do you go... I mean, it makes, it makes the loss at Southern even more incomprehensible. Yeah. And you, because you lose 42-7 to a Southern team that, you know, is a mid-pack Missouri Valley team with a new response. And, you saw, and they, they beat Indiana State yesterday 45-23. But, I mean, Indiana State is just god-awful. So, I mean, that's a game Southern's supposed to win. But, again... Yeah. I just I don't understand it how you go from one week you look like you couldn't beat you know normal high and then you know you go out and you normal community normal yeah. west same thing <laughs> which one which one could they beat uh, the all star team of the two <laughs> oh, okay great the all star team of the two um, but either way uh, then you go out and you play South Dakota and you look like you might be you look like you're back in that top ten you know you, like you should have been in the top ten polls will be interesting tomorrow I, I'll be really interested to see where ISU comes down uh, North the Northern is what's in Northern Arizona is ranked in front of them in the coaches poll uh, it'll be hard for me to see them jump Northern Arizona just because of the fact that they've lost them head to head in the stats poll it's interesting ISU remain ranked Northern Arizona is not ranked I know so there's an opportunity for, I feel like it weirdly the coaches poll has been higher on the ISU Redbird pretty much the whole season I think the stats poll this week might be the higher of the two polls uh, just based on the fact that it's going to be tough for the the uh, the voters to move ISU in front of a team they lost to in Northern Arizona yeah in Northern Arizona a team that won again yesterday I, they're still a very, very good football team. I mean, there's a good shot. You want to talk about a team that's going to win out of their season? I think there's a very good shot that they win out. That's looking less and less like a, like a poor loss. That looks like a good – I mean, yeah. a quality yeah, loss. A quality loss. There you go. Um, but, again, I mean, you look back to that game, and if Illinois State plays the way they did against South Dakota, that we might be talking about a team that hasn't lost the game, but obviously that's in the past. The past is in the past. But looking forward, this Youngstown State game – I mean, obviously, there's a lot riding on it because it's a different situation when you go to South Dakota. When you come, I mean, you host Western Illinois before South Dakota State. But if you lose to Youngstown State, and then you have South Dakota State left and North Dakota State left after, figure just say they go one and one these next two weeks, and then you have South Dakota State and North Dakota State. I don't think six win will get them in. I don't believe so. Not when you have that that Southern loss is a stain. I mean, that is just. I don't know. I don't think you're going to get in with that type of a loss, and you have six. You only have six wins. Um, so I think if you go one and one down the stretch, you have to take both South Dakota State down and North Dakota State, which is, a, I mean, a lot to ask. I mean, maybe if you lose, say you lose South Dakota State, and then you come home and beat North Dakota State, then maybe we're talking about. There's a lot of what different scenarios that play out. But either way, I mean, they saved their season. And Youngstown State, this game now means a lot more because we talked. They have a lot more breathing room. If we if they lost this week, we're talking about a four and three team that probably has to win out down the stretch, or at least win three or four. Now we're talking about a team that goes one and three. And I think Nate and I both believe they have a shot at the tournament. I know you may disagree. Two and two. I feel I like. think the only way that if, if the only way they would do it is if you if you beat if you have six wins and you beat North Dakota State, then I think you're in. If you don't be. If, if you have six wins and you don't lose, if you don't beat North Dakota State, then it's different. So we'll I'm say. playing the scenario yeah. game. We'll we'll have to see on that front, but definitely now two and two uh, seems like it's very viable to get them in the playoffs, and I think pretty much guarantees them a spot at seven and four, above oh, five hundred yes. in the valley. Would yes, another couple uh, marquee wins would certainly help the resume and get them in. Mm-hmm. And the way this ISU team's playing, you have to believe that is capable, but. Really important to note, this has been an ISU team that has not been very consistent this season, and now it'll be interesting to see, coming off this emotional high win at home, can they find that level of consistency next week at Youngstown State, and really for the rest of the season, can they continue to play at this high-line level?
Go back to a year ago when this team needed to win against South Dakota State where people were like, okay, this team isn't playing very well. South Dakota, South Dakota State looked you know, like the old the South Dakota State of old, the team that could was going to come in here, maybe roll Illinois State. They got a big victory. Then they go on the road to beat Western Illinois, and then that's I mean that's how that second and a half season went. And they, I think they it, finished strong, got themselves right. in the tournament. And this is when, a, when people counted them out. Correct. And I think it's we said there's similarities between both seasons. This is kind of another similarity in the seasons. You get a big win at home, and you got to go on the road. And, and we're talking about a young – I mean, Western Illinois last year is not Youngstown State this year. So, I mean, they're two different road games. I just think that this this game means a lot. You have experience. You went through the same thing last year. Obviously, different scenario, different season, but you went through the same thing. So you have the experience of having to get a big win at home, go on the road, continue the momentum, keep your playoff hopes alive. Because, again, I know that if you lose next week – you don't, you're not out of the playoff scenario, but it, it hurts your chances a little bit because then it just tightens up the rest of the schedule. But at the end of the day, you had the same scenario last year. If you could repeat that, you're in, in great position. We'll talk more about Youngstown State coming up on the midweek edition of the Redbird Report. But, Mike, if any thoughts on the on this edition of the Eating Humble Pie version of the Redbird Report is the Redbirds come away, an impressive victory, a great game, and... They put on a show for their homecoming fa- uh, on homecoming for their fans, and we talked about how they needed to perform better not only for themselves but for the Redbird Nation. They did. They came out. They put. They proved a lot of people wrong, including ourselves, and they showed why they're a top twenty-five team in this country. And now, up to them to continue to do that. But for you know, probably all of last night, and I'm sure into today, they'll get to celebrate that and then back to work tomorrow. Yeah, you know what? Uh, I. You know, I you so everybody saw and heard everything we said last week, and you know we kind of. I think we would, and by the way, we, we would stand by what we said. I, I feel like what we I, said yeah. at the time, obviously they proved us wrong, but I think it was justified based on what we had seen and what we'd seen in the past. You know, the first six weeks of the year, uh, we did not see this type of performance coming based on what they had done. Obviously, in that Kaufman football building, they knew they were capable of it, this, and they did it. So credit to them, but. I would stand by what we said last week. Correct. That's. I mean, that's my opinion. I. I mean, I. It's not like I just said it to say say it last week. I believed it. I still believe it. I'm. I'm coming here now and saying that they proved me wrong. And that's what I said yesterday, right after they won. That's a big time victory. That's a big time win. You have your season on the line, and you beat a really good team. And you shot. I mean, I was shocked. I'm not. I, I was very, very surprised. But you proved me wrong. I was wrong. I was wrong. Plain and again, plain and simple. There's no way. There's no way around it. And I'll eat that. That's fine. I'll eat it, and you know what? Credit them. I mean, and they should be feeling good about themselves because that's a that's a very good quality win. Let's credit the offensive coordinators, both of whom we we discussed last week. They did a great job in terms of the play calling yesterday. Jake Colby did what he had to do. I, I still think we have some questions. We'll talk more about that in the midweek about what he can do going forward. But yesterday on the third downs in the red zone, he was very good. And the running game was fantastic. And the defense, which I had talked a little bit about how I was disappointed in their performance the last couple weeks, and I thought it had flown on the radar, under the radar. All the yards they gave up yesterday, the motto is bend but do not break. And that was what happened. They did not break yesterday. They stood tall, a couple red zone stands, a couple important plays. And whenever South Dakota wants to talk about it, you know, I went back and read some of their comments postgame. They pointed to some of the penalties and some of the mistakes they made. They felt like it was a game they could have won. ISU made the winning plays, as we just said. And they came with an important victory. Nate, you were there. Your final thoughts on what will wrap up a 37-21 victory for ISU, an important one, and one that saved their season. Yeah, you know, just kind of reiterate what Mike said. Just, you know, really big win for them to come out. And the big thing that I want to harp on is that they scored early. You know, uh, 
they didn't win the toss. South Dakota won the toss and elected to defer. And ISU said, okay, uh, we'll just take the ball and we'll score. And that's what they did. Forced a quick, you know, I don't know if it was a three and out, but just a, a quick possession, got the ball back and, you know, scored again. So that's that's the key. And that's what set the tone for the entire game. It made South Dakota, you know, not like they run the ball too much anyways, but they, you know, essentially abandoned the ball. And ISU's run defense has been really good yeah. all year. And mm-hmm. yesterday... We didn't. I don't know if we talked about the defense enough, and we're getting a little bit short on time here. But the defense was incredible. The defensive line was getting yep. so much pressure on the quarterback. Yep. But the run game was they, as you said, they just did not have a run game yesterday, and that's been probably the strength of this Redbird team all year has been their run defense. But mm-hmm. yesterday it stepped up even bigger way. They had to abandon the run game pretty much South Dakota. Yeah, I think Strevler threw it sixty three times, which, which is, is just a school record, insane. And they and South Dakota coaching staff for the game said that was not how they wanted mm-hmm. to play that game. That's not Coyote football or coyote football they would say uh that they abandoned the running game and they did not enjoy doing that but they felt like they didn't have a choice with the way things were going also that's the first he struggled through two interceptions those are the first two turnovers of his season he came into saturday without turning the ball over so i mean you really you know you stifled this team. he hadn't thrown an interception and this was credit to kurt pegler he knew it right on the broadcast right away in over a year it was about just over a year ago that he threw his last interception in a game it was incredible to see the redbird defense step up like that yeah, so that was, you know, the defense, bend but never broke. That's exactly what happened. Um, you know, I want to say, you know, Dalton Keene had two sacks, and they said on the on, on Z&D that was the first time Strevler was even sacked this year, which is, just seems to be insane. And, you know, it could have been way more than two, that, but he just seemed to just elude these defenders. Uh, it could have been, you know, four or five sacks, but he just, you know, would get out of the pocket and, you know, make all these – plays but yeah credit credit for you know the whole redbird team uh it worked both sides even the special teams slattery really big game we didn't mention him either i did want Mm -hmm. to just briefly touch upon he had a huge game uh obviously some wind helped him uh, in some of those situations but stepped up made the huge field goal before the half gave the redbirds lead and then another huge field goal in i believe the third quarter and another one in the fourth and he was just tremendous yesterday yeah he was he was big time i mean and these weren't just you know a little you know chip shots these were you know 40 you know mid 40 kicks so you know credit to him uh you know special teams returns you know gave the offense a shot you know it seemed like they were starting off at the you know the 30 35 a lot and you know yeah offense comes out scores early defense plays with the lead so you know that was the winning formula and uh, it'd be really interesting to see you know how they you know carry this momentum into youngstown and that will do it for this edition of the Redbird Report, the humble pie eating crow, whatever you want to call it. Credit to this Illinois State football team on a homecoming Saturday that many expected to be a bloodbath in favor of South Dakota. The Redbirds came off and pulled out their most important victory of their season. They're now 5-2, and 3-1 and one of the Missouri Valley Conference. And I think it's exciting for us here on the podcast as well as we were worried about the Redbirds just sort of playing out the string on this season and it being uncompetitive and just sort of a season that was lost for ISU if they lost yesterday and maybe they would not win again this season. They proved us wrong. This is going to be a compelling season the rest of the way, no matter what happens from now on out. It's going to be ISU competing to get in the playoffs, competing to get a high seed, and competing maybe for a national championship. We'll have to see. All that it remains to be seen. But for ISU, they have their hopes, they have their dreams still going on in the 2017 season. That will do it for this edition of the Redbird Report. For Mike Mara and Nate Head coming to you from the the debt offices have a great day. We'll talk to you on Wednesday. Redbirds win 37-21. Great victory for them. Next edition will be on Wednesday. Have a good night.